the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So we have, we have two passages of, well, we have more than two passages, but we're going to focus on two passages, one, the one from Micah and the one from Matthew. The Micah one is not as probably familiar, um, except maybe the, the very last verse of Micah compared to Matthew, which you may have heard lots of times in many settings, including like Monty Python and the life of Brian. <laughs> Blessed are the meek. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Blessed are the cheesemakers. So, um, so it's a little bit more familiar. But we begin with Micah because they sort, of, they sort of go hand in hand anyway, these passages of what, of what really the kingdom of God um, is meant to be, even, even within the context of the covenant relationship of, of being with God before um, before Jesus has come to, to be with us and to be, and to be sort of the fulfillment of that covenant promise, um, God's covenant is still, is still reigning, right? God's promises to be with Israel all the time. I am your God, you'll be my people as long as you keep my commandments. And so today we have a courtroom trial, basically, where God is calling on witnesses of creation to testify against Israel, right? Testify mountains, the indictment of the Lord, you foundations of the earth, against um, the injustices that have been taking place. And God says, what have you done? You know, what have I done to you? Did I just basically bring you up out of Egypt and rescue you from slavery? Remember that? Did I give you uh, my covenant promises and worship um, through through Moses, the law, and Aaron, the, the sort of the, the worship, the, the high priestly um, worship of forgiveness and, and other aspects of Miriam. Did I not give you that? Did I not rescue you um, from, from Balaam prophesying against you? Remember that, that story uh, where Balak tried to hire one of, one of the prophets of God to curse Israel, and every time he opened his mouth, he blessed Israel instead uh, because he couldn't do anything. It, it's, it's, a, it's one of the funnier passages. I don't know if it ever comes up in the lectionary. We have to like squeeze it to the lectionary somehow. Um, and then, and then, but Balaam did say, "Well, here's the be best way to do it. The best way to do it is like to get your, um, you know, the Moabite women sort of to intermarry with the, with the." The Israelite men, and then they'll bring Baal worship into us, which is what happened in Shittim, and uh, where where all of a sudden people were worshiping Baal, and then the covenant was broken there, and then restored again in Gilgal um, before before they finally entered the land of promise. And so all of this is God saying, "What have I done for you, other than basically do everything? What have I done other than give you everything?" And over and over and over again. Um, I have I've blessed you. Even when people were trying to come against you, I've blessed you. And I was allowing the covenant to be restored. And so, so what, what have I done? And so then we have like, from the ridiculous to the sublime, and answers of, well, maybe you'd be happy with uh, a year old calf. Or how about a thousand rams? Or maybe 10,000 rivers of oil? 
maybe my firstborn son would be a good sacrifice to give you. I mean, so it's, it like keeps building, right, of, of is this what we should do? And the answer is, you're being silly, right? I mean, it's, it's all preposterous. Here's what you need to do. Here's your worship. Here's your sacrifice. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God, which basically means faithfulness. Justice, kindness, compassion, faithfulness. This is what God requires. God's not looking for, for mountains of, of sacrifices. God's not looking for rivers of oil. God's looking for you to live in a way that reflects God, because if we keep reading until the very end of this book, it ends with sort of Israel's broken covenant, Israel's going to be punished, they're going to be restored, and finally the promise of, of God, you will cast all our sins into the depth of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old, which again, kindness, compassion, faithfulness, love. The reason that God wants us to demonstrate these aspects is because this is the God we have. Right? Basically, we are to reflect God. God shows us love and compassion and kindness and faithfulness, and therefore, this is how we respond in turn. The whole reason for this covenant relationship, of course, with Israel wasn't for the blessing of Israel only. Right? It was for the blessing of Israel so that Israel could be a blessing to the world. Their job was to showcase God to everybody else. That's why they were being blessed. This is like, remember the, the uh, Naaman story when Naaman shows up and is healed of his leprosy and he takes back dirt from, from um, Israel to take back home because this is the God, right? This is where the God um, is, right here. Um, there's one God. This is who Israel is meant to be. Israel is meant to be the covenant people of God and being a light to the world. And when Messiah does come, that Israel can all point to the Messiah and know indeed that this is what's happening. So fast forward sort of to, to Matthew's Gospel, now where the kingdom of heaven is, is here, right? John the Baptist is imprisoned and Jesus picks up that mantle and now really starts his public ministry and again picks right up with the kingdom of heaven is here, repent, right? Draw near. And a whole bunch of things happen where there's bunches of healings. We talked about this uh, last week. He went all throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so his fame spread throughout all of Syria and they brought him all the sick. Those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. And so what we have here is, is we always just sort of pick up with, with the Beatitudes, with these little blesseds, 
Um, we pick up with these all the time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for those the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they'll show the they are. But it really is what, what this what this passage is. Any um, not only the beginning of this of the sort of the Sermon on the Mount, which we're in for the next couple chapters in Matthew, but is but is giving sort of vocabulary, giving words to what's what's happening, right? What's just happened as Jesus teaches and walks around from synagogue to synagogue, from town to town, and crowds are following him, and people are being healed, and paralytics are being able to walk, and demons are being cast out. What's, what's stirring? And Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Right? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the to hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is here. And this is what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. And all the time that we, we confuse who's blessed by God is, is being turned upside down. Right? What's, what's taking place? Why are all these people, the poor, the outcasts, the disenfranchised, all those over here, why all of a sudden are good things happening to them? Good things aren't supposed to happen to them. They've obviously sinned or something, right? I mean, remember, we'll get this like in the middle of Lent, where the, the man born blind is, is there, and, and the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned? Right? This man or his parents, that he should be born blind. Because that's, that's sort of, that's just the mindset. If you're rich, it's obviously because you're a good person, right? When Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich person to go into the kingdom of God, they all go, what? Who can be saved then? If the rich people can't be saved, who's going to be saved? Because God's blessing is obviously on those people. God's blessing or God's curse is obviously on those people who are blind. They've obviously done something. I mean, this is this is the mindset that that still sort of creeps in to our own society from time to time and our own families and our own things. But the but the but the reality is that's not that's not what God has ever put forth. And, it, and as much as anything else, it's this, it's this combating this. More and more, in, when we read the Old Testament prophets, it's, it's not because of false worship that Israel's in trouble. It's not from going to the gods. It's not from, you know, this, that, and everything. It's, it's always from not having compassion, not having kindness, you know, Abusing the orphans and the widows. Um, it's, it's this that, that God's always putting people on trial for in the Old Testament of you want to worship, do justice, be faithful, walk humbly, love kindness, be compassionate. And this is what Jesus is saying yet again here. Um, there's, a, there's, there's going to be a shift 
in, in God's kingdom. From what our normal mindset is to our mindset of, of those are blessed. And this isn't a future thing that Jesus is talking about, right? Jesus isn't talking about down the way, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Jesus is saying, all the stuff you see happening right now, and you're wondering why this stuff is happening right now, it's because this is the way things are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Don't forget that one. Because that one's coming up too. This is what's going to continue to happen. This is, this is an already de definition of what's taking place in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a shift from, from the powers of the world saying what's valuable to God saying what's valuable. What's valuable is kindness, compassion, grace, forgiveness, love, blessing, healing. This is what is valuable. And that belongs all those who seek to receive it. It's sort of, we, we see this um, laid out then in, in, in the rest of the New Testament, right, of, of becoming a body of, of believers who embrace um, the power of the Spirit of God. Romans 12, do not be uh, conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Here's the shift again. God doesn't need, right, thousands of rams, yearling calves, rivers of oil, your firstborn sacrificed on the altar. God wants you to be a living sacrifice. Not to be conformed any longer with the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the spirit and grace of God. This is the shift that the Beatitudes kick off. And the invitation for us to draw near. None of which is, you know, it's all simple. None of it's easy, right? But it's all simple. Love, love kindness, be compassionate, be faithful, do justice. Not be conformed any longer to the path of this world. Be transformed by God's Spirit. This is the new reality that we're invited into. The new shift that's taking place as Jesus begins um, this ministry of transformation in God's grace. And finally, the ultimate covenant of promise being revealed as God has come to us. Please stand.